Thank you for tuning in to the Far Better Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we seek to please God now, so our eternity is far better. Here is your host, Michael Clark. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Far Better Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark. And I'm glad to have this opportunity to study with you. We are looking today, episode 10 of season 2, at the Apostles and Suffering, part 2, and how they were expecting and happy to suffer. And I want us to focus on the first aspect of this, the expectation of suffering. And I want to I start with kind of an illustration here, you know, that we need to be thinking about. A couple of years ago now, my wife and I, actually about, man, five years ago now, we bought a Prius, Stop laughing, and we had that Prius because my wife was in nursing school down in Senatobia, Mississippi, and I was in preaching school in Memphis, and so kind of needed her to have a vehicle that could get her good gas mileage for an hour and a half almost drive every day. So we bought that Prius, and it was a very good, good vehicle for us. I mean, it was wonderful. Say what you will about the Prius itself, it saved us money. And so we had this Prius for a while, and we were going to continue to keep it. Even though my wife had gotten pregnant, we were looking at car seats, we were looking at all these things back in 2017, and my dad did a debate with Michael Brauner. You might remember that if you haven't seen that. Shameless plug. I'll try to remember to... uh to put in the show notes here, I'm going to make a note. If you hear me typing, that's what I'm doing to put the show notes, a link for dad's debate. And that is a debate that I, I was able to be a chart man on. And it was a wonderful debate. I, I encourage you to, to go and watch it. But we're on our way home on a Saturday night and I have to preach the next morning. I'm driving most of the way through this one area called Hurricane Mills, Tennessee. And I don't know if you remember the big, gigantic storm that stretched from Oklahoma to Florida at the time that this happened, but that was that night. And we stop at this pilot gas station, and we're told, hey, there are trees all down on the interstate. Now, I have in my vehicle with me my grandfather, or actually my wife's vehicle, the RAV4 that we had, uh, my grandfather, and he's got very bad back and knee problems and can't really sit in a car for long periods of time. So we're trying to find an alternate route, and to make a long story short, we went down this road that was called a road, but was really like a creek bed. And I didn't expect to blow out my Prius tire. And I mean, when I say I popped it, I have never heard a tire pop before. But I put it in reverse, and I must have hit a sharp rock because it just exploded. And we got the Prius, and what we didn't know we had done as well is we'd done a lot of damage to the under part of the car and as well as the engine. And so it sat on my driveway for six months, and I finally got it fixed after opening up the claim again with the insurance and working through all of that mess, as you probably have known if you've experienced it before. And I kid you not, a month, almost a month after getting that car, 
back in working order, back into a good condition, I hit a deer on my way home from Wednesday night services. I drive a truck now, and I think you know why. But I can tell you that night when I was driving home and that deer jumped out in front of me in that Prius, I did not expect that to happen. And so it was quite a shocking situation. I didn't expect for that Prius to be technically on blocks for, you know, on cinder blocks, if you will, for six months because we had wrecked it trying to get home during a storm. Come to find out there weren't even any trees on the interstate. So if you're the person that said that at the pilot gas station and somehow you're listening to this, I forgive you. Uh, but man, that was a stressful night and I'm not appreciative of what happened, but I forgive you for saying it, but I didn't expect those things to happen, but I can expect to suffer as a Christian. I want you to notice what Paul said, and I'm going to read a lot of verses here as far as a lot of portions of verses. And I'm going to start with Romans 5, 3, where he talks about glorying in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. In 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 7, he talks about being partakers of the sufferings. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 17, he says, we're hard-pressed on every side, verse 8, and verse 17, our light affliction. If you go to chapter 6 and verse 4, it talks about tribulations, distresses, and needs. In 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 3, he talks about shaken, no one being shaken by these afflictions. In verse 4, he says that we would suffer tribulation. We told you before this was going to happen. Verse 7, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. He goes on to say in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 8 that he's going to have us basically not being ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of him and his prisoner, but sharing with him in the sufferings for the gospel. And 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 says, we must endure hardship as a good soldier. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 5 says, we endure afflictions. And Philippians 1.29 says, we have been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. So if you were to ask the Apostle Paul, what is your expectation of Christianity? He's going to say that I would suffer. That I would suffer. Peter said a lot about suffering, though, as well in his book that he wrote, really his two books that he wrote, but we're going to focus on the idea of the first book mainly. We're looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, where he says, you've been grieved by various trials. In chapter 2 and verse 19 and 20, he says in verse 19, you've been suffering wrongfully. And when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. In 1 Peter 3, 14 and 17, he says in verse 14, even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. In verse 17, he goes, if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. In chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, he says, and I'll read most of these two verses, let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in this matter. And verse 19, he says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good. And finally, 1 Peter 5 and verse 10, where the Bible says, May the God of all grace, who called you, who called us, I should say, to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while. Peter, what's your expectation of suffering? 
Is it expected for the Christian? Is that what the Christian should kind of think is going to happen? Yeah, uh, it is. Why did they have this mentality? Let's look at what the Lord said. In Matthew 10 and verse 38, he says, He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. In Matthew 13, 21, he talks about when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles, talking about that one that has no root and only endures for a little while, and when he's faced with persecution, he flees. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In Matthew 24 and verse 9, when they deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And again in Mark 8, 34, take up his cross and follow me. Luke 9, 23, take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke 14, 27, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple And then finally, in Acts chapter 9 and verse 16, we're told, I will show him, talking about Saul, we know him as Paul mainly, the things, how many of these things he must suffer for my name's sake. Was it really a common occurrence back before the church for the righteous to suffer? Let me ask you that for a second. Let that that thought marinate. Was it really a common occurrence back before the church for the righteous to suffer regardless of circumstance. Now, you see, you only find suffering when they disobeyed God. Deuteronomy 28 is very clear. The first 14 verses of Deuteronomy chapter 28 tells us all of the blessings that can happen in life if you follow God. 14 verses of Deuteronomy 28 are spent talking about that. The rest of the chapter, the rest of the 67, 68-odd verses are spent talking about the cursings that will follow if you don't. So if you obey God, there's no suffering. That's the old law. You don't obey God, there's suffering, immense, intense suffering. And an incredible difference between the old and new law is the reason for suffering. It's now going to be done because they were doing what the Lord said to do. Not as in the time of the judges where they were disobedient and therefore experienced suffering as a result of that. Doesn't this make sense when we consider all that Jesus dealt with in his life? Do we even come close to that realm of suffering? You know, not in this country. And you might be asking, well, why then was Paul calling it a light affliction? That doesn't seem to make sense. Because when you compare it, to Jesus, it really is a light affliction. He was happy to suffer for Christ. It didn't matter to him, the circumstance. And that's the last part of our study today. These apostles did not just expect to suffer. They seemed to be excited to. In Acts 5, 41 and 42, the Bible says, So they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Paul himself says in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, 
a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. And concerning this matter, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And God's response was, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And verse 10, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, needs, persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. This is not to say that they enjoyed the pain and that they treated Christianity as some type of fight club or that they were looking forward to death and they had a death wish. It just means they were happy they suffered for a worthy cause. And can you really blame them for that? I mean, you and I both remember, right, what they were like before the crucifixion. They weren't really all in, right? Afterwards, though, what do we know about them? Oh, man. They are all in. Ready. 100%. Could it be true that we need to have more of an understanding like Paul? You remember what I said in season one of the Scattered Abroad material that brought about disease and all the illnesses in the world? It's sin. So what really gave me Crohn's disease? You could say genetics and you'd be correct. But I can tell you with all certainty it was sin. Can I say then that this could, could be my thorn in the flesh? To make me question God, to make me feel like quitting, to make it seem like serving Christ is not worth it because after all what so many people say is if you really love God, and God really loves you, God wouldn't put you through this. The disciples and the apostles, as we know them basically after the New Testament church was started as apostles from that point forward, they disciplined themselves. And I have to ask you and I, as as we think about our lives, have we ever disciplined ourselves? Maybe it's to lose weight or to finish an assignment. As I'm literally recording these right now, I'm up against a deadline to get my first episodes for season two in so that they can go through the proper edits and things for the network. So I'm disciplining myself. I'm trying to focus on getting this task done so that I can later give myself a reward for getting it done. So what do most normal people do when they complete a specific task? They give a reward to enjoy that completion. For example, when I lose 20 pounds, I'm going to go out on a nice date with my wife. We're going to go and and do something we can't do right now because of my weight. So maybe someone says, you know, when I lose 20 pounds, we're going to go horseback riding because I can ride a horse if I lose 20 pounds, and my wife's always wanted to do that. Or when I finish this 10-page paper that's before me, I'll go to a movie. And you know what's funny is when I wrote this, I was in school still, going through Amherst University, and I was trying to finish up my Bachelor's of Science in the Bible, and there were days where I would have an assignment, a 10-page paper had to be done. Couldn't come home and go to a movie. I have to discipline myself. And I do this type of stuff all the time and why it's to motivate me to actually do the task at hand. And perhaps we need to see heaven as the ultimate goal. It's more than a nice date. It's more than going to a movie. It's, it's more than doing anything. 
that we consider to be fun because it's not equivalent to the activities that I'm wanting to try to get to now and the idea that when I'm done with this, I'll tell you right now what I'm going to do. When I'm done with my first batch of episodes that's being turned in, I'm going to go home, I'm going to play with my son, and I'm going to play Madden for a very long time because this is my last big task to do for the next couple of days. And I'm going to go and I'm going to enjoy that. But I can't equate heaven to playing Madden. It's not equivalent. My Christianity and my walk with Christ has to put myself in a position, though, that I say, I will take this now and discipline my body and be ready to go at any moment, ready to suffer at any moment, because what's waiting for me when I'm done, what's waiting for me when I'm completed my task, is bliss. The apostles understood this. Labor now, get the reward later. What does that sound like? Kind of sounds like a roundabout way of this podcast title, right? To live as Christ, to die as gain. I'm hard-pressed between the two. Living on in the flesh or going on? Because I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But I'm going to do my task. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to finish what I started. And so maybe, just maybe, you and I are trying our best. And I'm not really talking to us then in that moment. But let me speak to us that might not be. If we live in a country like America, especially, and we're not willing to go all in and to say certain things, even if they're not popular, and to do it in a nice way. I'm not saying you need to be a jerk, but I am saying that the the truth is still the truth, and we have to follow it. What's our excuse if we're not doing that? We have to focus, right? And I hope and pray that we will. Now, Lord willing, next week, we're going to look at the idea of dealing with suffering in a three-part, or actually, I guess a yeah, three-part, and it might even be a four-part. i I got to double-check that, but don't quote me on it. At least a three-part, okay? A three-part episode arc on the idea of dealing with suffering. How are we going to be able to do that? And next week, we're talking about remembering what we are. I hope you'll tune in then, but until then... Let's all please God now so our eternity can be far better. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.